अरे वट यू डूइंग वट आर यू डूइंग Yes, this is a very special coming together. A collaboration on maybe the last episode of season 1 between me and creator of the podcast The Truth About Nobody, Preeti Singh. Almost a year ago, Preeti found herself completely paralyzed while on holiday abroad. Diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disorder, this compulsive communicator took to the spoken word. originally to avoid having to repeat herself to all and sundry she then turned the truth about nobody into a self-deprecating and witty project hoping her story and other encounters become special life lessons everyone can identify with preeti has already launched a more upbeat and daring second season this conversation is then my own feeble way of unpacking that narrative and i call it the lightness of courage preeti saying this is such a rare pleasure to have a fellow podcaster collaborate with me on the brevis living and learning podcast to bring listeners some critical life lessons thank you so much thank you for having me on now it's almost customary for me to follow up with the cliche that i've known you for a very long time which is true from your days at a defense think tank to journalism to more and we've been friends granted promising to find time to have a heart to heart and it was only last year after your sweet birthday message and a promise of meal that i heard from you but didn't follow through until july that year when i bumped into a school friend and i heard your news critical care for a month after being diagnosed with a rare condition a turning point in your life for those who don't know you well Tell us Preeti what exactly happened. Yeah, that was a strange time Shivraj. In fact, it's one of those things that hits you from nowhere. I was on a holiday. I was in Vietnam and um suddenly one day my toes and fingertips start tingling and I go to a hospital and that's the last time I walk for the next 3 months. In fact, it was also the last day that I spoke for 2 months. because uh, i was diagnosed with a rare autoimmune disorder called gillian bar syndrome or giabahe as it's known in french which required me to be put on a ventilator because i could no longer breathe on my own i could not swallow i could not walk or move my legs and suddenly i found myself confined to a hospital bed with no movement at all except the use of my pupils even my eyelids wouldn't go up and down This is how it was for the next couple of months and in about a week I was airlifted out of Hanoi back to Delhi where I spent a month in critical care another month in a hospital room and one more month confined to my bed at home so there you have it that's the crazy story my god preeti i really can't imagine what went through your mind at that time what went through your mind The first thing I think i was scared about was very bizarrely and i think people would laugh at this and maybe call me morbid but the first thing was that if i die how are they going to kind of repatriate me back to india because i kept thinking about okay i, I don't want to die in a foreign country i want to go home and die and it was this bizarre patriotism that kind of i think kept me alive the first few days 
and then of course there are all the usual things that will i ever be able to move my hand again i mean is this the end of the road for me am i going to get out of this bed i was worried for my siblings how will they go and explain that to my parents if something happened to me so there was a lot of all of that that was going through my mind in the first few days that i was stuck in that icu in hanoi but what kept you going from the initial shutting down of all your systems to being airlifted to the icu then the hospital period then the recuperation at home what kept you going through all of this i think i now when i see it i see the entire journey in chapters because the first couple of days when i was there i was alone with my sister and we uh, once she realized the gravity of the situation my brother had to fly down to hanoi as well the first chapter i would say that i was just worried that if something happened to me what would she do how would she manage so i used to keep every day giving myself a pep talk that no you know open your eyes look around you're going to be fine and i think that just that worry for others i would call that my first chapter and then after that it just became a question of survival once i got home i got to see my parents who by the way didn't know till i was home what had happened to me for an entire week they had no clue then it was just deciding and also knowing that the option of giving up was something that i just didn't have the luxury of choosing now they say that we really only use 10% of a brain in normal functioning and we don't really know what we're really capable of until we really tested and then it's a question of either fight or flight to given but you stuck it out pretty i mean i remember recently hearing you on a webinar quote bob marley you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have so what kept you thinking that you would not give in i think one of the biggest what i consider one of my biggest assets today is the fact that i can laugh at myself and i think a sense of humor is very important when you go through something so life changing the ability to enjoy some of the lighter moments the ability to laugh at yourself also i would say that when you have a lot to lose and i don't mean in terms of what you built or money or anything material but the people around you the fear of actually losing them is something that keeps you going and i think that was the second thing that kept me going and the third was just so much of support so much of love and prayers from everyone and i know it sounds very sentimental but i think all this makes up the ingredients for survival at the end of the day now for our listeners who not really getting a sense of what exactly you went through what is it that you had to do then from that period of being on complete rest to rehabilitation to getting to where you are now i think the first thing that you have to do is and i say this a lot now that you have to trust the decision making around you i could have second guessed every choice that was made by my siblings to start with i could have second guessed and fought with doctors to say that i didn't want this or i don't want that or i don't like this bed or and i could have done all of that i think that is the first thing that you realize that you have to rely on decision making around you which is the first part that helped me the second was sheer grit i just told myself that if you there's the only way to get through something like this is to see it till the bitter end i just realized the only thing i could do was fight 
because when you have your back against the wall that is the only thing that you can do there is no place to run all you have to do is fight and from what i remember you telling us it was like almost regaining your own muscle memory and it was quite an arduous task of getting to where you are now and you refer to this just now that it is very important to trust the people and the decisions around you so how important is it to build that support system how important is it to of course have it in your personal sphere but as your story demonstrates you also got it from elsewhere as well strangers other people people not in your personal space but in your professional space as well you know if i may be a little dramatic which you know me to be shivraj i'll say that you know there was a time when i felt as if all of india was praying for me it's really bizarre because you know my my siblings would come and visit me in hospital and they would tell me they said oh you know what someone is chanting for you today in kaza then another day someone would come and say hey you know what there's someone who's doing pranic healing for you in bangalore and then there were people who were going to temples i remember people like my dhobi who used to take the clothes from from us he was going to temples and he was calling my sisters and saying that you know we're praying for her so it was so much the generosity and the blessings of strangers i think which helped because everything i had to learn to do again and for that i needed a lot of help apart from my own determination to say lift my hand for the first time or be able to hold a pencil and write a message for the first time but was it very uh, frustrating also oh terribly of course before this i was in a job that required me to travel quite often and sometimes at the drop of a hat you would be having a chat with say a client at night and the next morning you would be off to chennai or to hyderabad because that that's that's how it was and i also used to do a lot of meetings it was i was on my feet i was on on the move constantly to go from there to suddenly having to depend on everyone to even close your eyes at night to sleep someone would have to physically close my eyes at night so that i could sleep i think frustration is a is a huge part of it but i think it's important what you do with that frustration either you use it as fuel to fight or you just let it consume you yeah and that takes me preeti to the less serious part of our conversation listening to your podcast the truth about nobody and i have no qualms in telling my listeners that if you haven't heard it you're definitely missing out the way you bring your life experiences and most importantly the people the players in your life alive with self deprecating wit and emotion i love the episodes about your man friday and especially that really sweet one about your niece and it brought me to tears and the whole idea of missing cigarettes of course we're not supposed to be saying that for parents hearing this <laughs> going to cafes and just observing people all the little things that we take for granted these are the things that count isn't it bizarrely i i'll tell you this that while i was in the icu the world cup the cricket world cup was on and it was also june and turning into july and the monsoon was right around the corner and i remember thinking that i have so many needles and tubes stuck in my body but the one thing that I, that hurt a lot was the fact that i was missing an entire world cup <laughs> so you know it's these bizarre things actually you're right i mean it's the small things that count and those things actually kept me going because every day i would conjure up things in my head i would insist that i i want to know the points table of what is happening with the cricket matches even though i couldn't see any one of them there was no clocks in the icu 
uh, let alone uh, anything resembling a TV or a radio or anything. My only information used to be from, you know, the people who came to visit me one hour in the morning and one in the evening. So you have to make up a lot of that and think of all the small things in your life that have made you happy and pull at those memories and, and they kind of keep you going. So if in a nutshell, you were to describe why you chose the truth about nobody to podcast, to communicate, is it a lesson of perhaps more self-awareness that folks listening should never give up? Genesis of the truth about nobody is actually, I started a blog when I used to be in the Hindustan Times. And it was just a blog to crib about everything and anything. You know, things I would see outside, traffic, people, jaywalkers. And it just started as that. And I realized that everything I was writing about, there was a part of that in me as well. So it, it could have been the truth about anybody or nobody. And that's that was a really bizarre thought that came to my mind. And after that, it was all my Twitter handle, my Instagram handle. Everything became the truth about nobody. The podcast has its genesis in that blog. And how powerful is that self-awareness? Did you feel that through all the challenges in your life, apart from the GBS, even before, that self-awareness somehow got you through? I don't know why I've gotten used to say this, but I always say that I think it's important to be self-aware, to know both what you can do and what you can't. Because the one thing that you have to do in a situation like this, when you find yourself at a complete loss of what to do next or how to think about your life, it's to know that you can't let the limitations that you're aware of limit you. It sounds weird, I know. But the self-awareness comes in handy when you have to realize that, okay, these are the things that I wasn't able to do earlier or these are the things I might not be able to do again. So how am I going to bridge the gap between the two? I think at some stage, a lot of self-help folks tell us when you look at the situation around you, you sort of note down what you can control and what you can't control. And then you limit to what you can control and just get along with it. Look at the current situation, the current uh, world we're living in, Shivraj. We have absolutely no control over some of the things that are happening around us. This is not just something that's happening in our town or our city or our state or our country. It's happening everywhere around the globe. So everyone is having to cope with something which is not in their control. And, you know, on no fault of your own, you're stuck indoors. And I think the same thing happened that I also had to find the strength to really look beyond the things that were not in my control. Now, as a social commentator, looking at, like you just said, what's happening, and it's become a universal phenomenon, we're all in the same boat. So as someone's just stepping back and stepping out, how ironic is it? Do you feel that maybe sometimes all of us need a reset? I think it is. It's quite weird, actually. You know, there was a time when I used to be immobile and just lying in bed and thinking about how the world is rushing past me. Everyone else is going places and I'm not. The weird thing is that it wasn't me that caught up with the world, but the world that kind of caught up with me because now everyone is, is under the same lockdown, the same quarantine. I, I don't mean to make light of this because it is really serious. A lot of people have lost their lives and livelihoods in this. And we're in here for the long haul. But that's how I felt that suddenly the world had come back to my pace. It's true. You do get a lot of time to think about your life, the choices that you've made the things that you will do differently. So yes, that is a master reset in some ways. You've 
parked away the sadness in your second season of the podcast the sadness brought to your life as you get into your second season what you do is you go back to what was left unaddressed before gbs if i can say that with the only caveat i assume that you're now looking at life through yet another lens preeti humor playfulness irony the power of hindsight well i hope so because uh, that's the only way that i know how to be half the time it's something that's become much more dear to me the fact that i want to laugh more i want to say things that uh, i don't worry about what other people are thinking i want to be able to do things that i was scared or afraid or or not interested in doing before the gbs so even though the podcast started out as be me being able to tell my story because i couldn't type it or speak it all the time to people and lots of people used to ask me for the story again it started like that but it's become something which now i want to have a little fun with because the other thing that also kind of started in a strange phase of my life dating through online apps because i remember my mother was sick a couple of years ago and i used to be awake late at night and again smoking all those cigarettes which i don't smoke anymore <laughs> and uh, yeah and i i remember thinking that okay i need to show her that my life is going on and i need to get out and i need to meet people which i hadn't been doing for a while so now that part has become something that i have had so much fun with the people i've met the things that i've discovered which are amazingly also a comment on the india that we're living in and i think if i can tell that story with the same irreverence that you speak of and humor and playfulness i think that's going to be the next fun part and the fun part of the journey of my podcast now and really that whole first episode of second season talking about online dating it clearly stood out for a lot of us a lot of us identified with that and there was a very interesting analogy you drew there which for our listeners if you could just replay it was to do with jogging or with the treadmill the spot jogging the spot jogging that's right preeti the spot jogging tell us more ah yes i think all of us at least the same parts of all of us realize that dating is not just about endless chatting or or just swiping blindly on 100 people every day i think the the fun part is going out and meeting some of them and and seeing how what kind of role they play in your life and also the kind of different relationships you can establish and that was something that i was having a lot of fun doing i met some really interesting people but ever since this uh, corona virus has confined us all to our homes i realized that a lot of online dating has become like spot jogging because you are actually investing a lot of time and energy you're getting exhausted doing some of that actually and you're not going anywhere i plan to use a whole bunch of other analogies actually to talk about dating in the next season <laughs> now many people listening to this interview are probably all going through some sort of crisis agreed absolutely yeah i mean look around you we're moving into not a post pandemic but definitely we're going to have to live with a with covid world and that can chip away at you yours preeti is a story of resilience so if i were to ask you what are the three to five key things that make up your toolkit and everyone should really take from as a lesson to be able to just cope with this chipping away at your confidence and at your ability to continue 
The first thing I'd say, Shivraj, is surround yourself with positivity. And I, th- I know that sounds a lot like very trite or it sounds really basic. But I will give you this example that even when I was in hospital, I had restricted my visitors in the ICU to the bare minimum. Close family, friends from school, because they're my biggest support system. And everyone who came to see me, you know, everyone came with a smile on their faces. And I think that positivity in which they would come and they would smile and they would tell me about things that were going on outside rather than, you know, saying, oh, how are you doing or looking really sad? I think the first is you have to surround yourself with positivity. And that being said, the second I would say is surround yourself with your best people, be it family or friends. Surround yourself with the best people in your life because they are going to get you through the worst times and times like this. Because I know we do this. All of us are in different time zones now, friends from school. And we do a Zoom call every other week. We try at least to do a Zoom call. And I think it's a small gesture, but it goes a long way. So I would say that's the second part, the second thing in my toolkit. The third, as I always say, humor. If you cannot laugh at things, especially at yourself, you're not going to really go very far in terms of being able to deal with difficult times. So I think humor is the third for sure. I think the fourth is you have to also learn to take risks, to be able to reinvent yourself at times like this. Because every time that I took a step without my crutch, every time that I walked without support, was me taking a risk to make my life slightly better. And I think that is another thing that I would say is very important at times like this. You've got to learn to take risks. And that's the only way forward. Preeti, I know this isn't just a first, but a start to many more collaborative efforts, I hope. Because I can't let go of the connection with the truth about nobody. And I know I'm hard selling it, but I'm going to ask you that typically annoying question. What next? Well, Shivraj, I'm trying to find the answer myself. <laughs> um, I'm also trying to go back to some of my first loves. Because I think, again, uh, when in doubt... Go back to what you know best. I'm trying now to also write, especially on LinkedIn. I used to teach communications as something that I did apart from my regular job. I want to go back to actually doing some of that. It could be now we have so many different mediums for for me to do that without being physically present anywhere. That is the first thing. I want to go back to teaching communications, to some communication coaching. The second thing, and that's a huge one, is hopefully have a book out by the end of the year a manuscript out actually the book would come later but i'm writing a book on that note thank you ever so much for speaking to me and sparking off greater potential for the brevis living and learning podcast and getting me to think how i could perhaps grow more thank you so much preeti for speaking to me and giving us so much to think about What a pleasure, Shivraj. And thank you. You're too kind. I hope these conversations have helped you in any way. If you have any questions, inputs, ideas, or would just like to connect with me or anyone in my network, shout out by writing in to me at shivraj at brevis.in. Look for us, Brevis Living and Learning Podcast, and like, follow, subscribe, and review on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Tune in Radio, iHeart Radio, and stay tuned for season two.